Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom every day. Welcome to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and thanks for joining us as we look at more exciting ways to, to help get even more kids in your classroom or in your life excited about science, technology, engineering, and math. And what better way than a children's book, and it's a coloring book, and it's both. And today we're chatting with author Sarah McSorley of supercoolscientists.com. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have a coloring book author. Now, you didn't actually do all the drawings, but you wrote, because it's more than a coloring book, right? Correct. It's a, it's a story and a coloring book. So each featured scientist has a full-page uh, narrative biography of what they do at work, how they got interested in STEM in the first place, and what they like to do outside of work as well. So it's sort of their whole story as a person. And then there's the full-page colorable illustration on the other side. So, so kids not only get to read the story about an amazing, uh, super cool scientist, I'll just keep saying that because I, I love the, the, that phrase, the super cool scientist. Aren't all scientists super cool? Sure, it's just a really good title. <laughs> so not only does a kid get to read that story about a super cool scientist, but they also can color the picture and, and bring, it, bring it to life. So it's, it, it draws that interaction in, into it. So, so how did you, how'd you get started with, with that idea, Sarah? Well, so uh, my background itself was in science. I studied marine biology when I was in college. thinking Ooh, I was Marine biology, that's cool. Yeah, thinking I wanted to be a researcher. And um, until I had my first research project, and then I realized I really didn't like research. (laughs) But at the time, no one had ever told me what else you can do with a science degree. So I kind of had this this moment where I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Uh, And I was lucky to have some really good mentors who got me introduced to more science outreach, science communication, science education work, where I could still be using that marine science that I liked so much but I wasn't the one in the lab or out in the field doing the, the projects. I got to share it with other people and I really enjoyed that part of it. So that's a great reminder to, to kids, you know, that, that there are those mentors in your life that, that are going to have ideas about how, how you can use the different types of degrees or, or training or education that you get to, to find that perfect, that cool job that, that gets you excited about. Going yeah. to work, going to work every day, right? Yeah, and it's a good reminder too that it's just as important to learn about what you don't like as learning about what you do like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, because you don't always talk about that, so I think that's that's important too. Just as important to learn about what you don't like as what you do like. That's 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 some that's some deep thoughts there, Sarah. That's great. Again, uh, Sarah McSorley, uh, her books are called uh, Super Cool Scientists, Part One and Part Two. Just, you just released a new one, right? So the first one was so successful, you're ready for a second one. The first one was just so much fun, I wasn't ready to stop yet. So yeah. uh, going back to sort of how it started, you know, having this science background, but as life and career and all these things happened, I kind of got farther away from the science mm-hmm. and really missed the science outreach in my day job because I had gotten a little higher up in administration. And a lot of times, the higher up you get, the less of the fun stuff you get to do. So. <laughs> 
so I wanted to sort of bring some of that science excitement back for myself. And at the same time, was looking for coloring books that I myself might be interested in. Uh-huh. And at the time, nothing like this existed. So if you Googled women in science coloring book, nothing came up two years ago. Uh, and that was kind of my light bulb moment for, oh, well, this could probably be my science like side project that I was looking for and yeah. thought it through a little bit more, found an illustrator, uh, set up a crowdfunding campaign to fund the first one and found 22 people who agreed to be a part of it the first time around. That's very cool. So it's just thinking through, I mean, the whole idea of, of taking the science idea that that STEM education aspect that, of something you're already passionate about and combining it with the arts and literature. And, and that's, a, that's a great, another connection for kids that, that may think, oh, STEM is just a bunch of nerds sitting around in a research lab. It's, it's way more than that. Yeah, it's a lot more, there are so many different things you can do with a science degree. So it was important for me to feature like a really wide range of different types of science jobs in the book. Mm-hmm. And then there's also just my own story too, is sort of a non-traditional science career path as well. So yeah, yeah. sort of providing more connection points. And a lot of the scientists who are featured in the book also have these really artistic sides as well. Some of them to the point where you know, they really promote that as part of what they do, where it's including arts with their science for an added value. Cool. So, so just, just give us some, a couple, you know, a couple of examples, the, these, um, these different types of, of scientists that you have in these books. Now, these are all, all female scientists, right? Correct. They're all, they're all women in science who are currently doing the work. So we have, in the second one that just came out, uh, we have an engineer named Alicia Morgan, and she studied aerospace engineering. So she did a lot of her career at these big engineering firms working on airplane engines. And now she actually does a lot of the educational work at the Frontiers of Flight Museum in Dallas, Texas. Very cool. Yeah. So she's fantastic. Let's see. We have Nicole Ace Vito. Uh, She's an interesting story because her career is all around environmental health. Uh And she started doing a lot of her research in kind of reproductive technologies And that got her more interested in sort of how different toxins and things in our environments can connect our systems as humans. That's very cool. So a wide variety, right? Yeah. I mean, everything from research veterinarian to marine scientists, because I have a soft spot for that. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, people who are in ergonomics. So kind of like the study of how the human body is built and how you can design things to best use your body. Yeah, uh, and, and again, astrophysics, all of it. Yeah, and and these are things that maybe a kid, you know, especially at those those younger age levels, where a, where a storybook, a coloring book, are, are really going to connect with. These are careers that they don't think about as as an everyday, and 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 actually, a lot of kids at that age still don't really understand what an engineer is, or even what a scientist does all day, except for you know, scientists have you know, cool tubes and beakers, and they blow things up. Right. And oftentimes when you think of the word scientist, you still think white man. Yeah. Uh, so the big, the big, the big white hair sticking up. Right. The, the Einstein caricature. Right. I mean, that's right, yeah. kind of, and a lot of times still when you Google, like when you Google image search things, it's better now than it used to be. You see some right. women, um, yeah. but it used to kind of always be those caricatures. Yeah. And there are also, you don't have to have a science job where you wear a lab coat every day. There are right. a lot of them where you do do that, which is great. Yeah. And there's some of those featured too. Yeah. But you can travel the world and you may never have to put on a lab coat, depending on what the type of work is that you do. And so much of the work now is computer based. So we yeah. have like computer scientists, computer animators, 
cybersecurity people who were in the book too. So yeah. it's this really sort of wide open opportunity and sort of making sure young people know about that and yeah. know that there are spaces for them as well. If it's something they're interested in, that was kind of part of the push behind the project. That's, a, that's such a great idea, Sarah, to be able to, to do that and, and transfer those ideas, especially down to, down to a kid's level. Um, so again, uh, you can find Sarah McSorley, uh, S. Max Sorley. That's kind of how you uh, spell it out. You can find her on Twitter. Also, supercoolscientists.com, and you can find all their different you know, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram spots uh, there as well. And by the way, if you're if you're thinking about, you know, where could I get this book? Obviously, it's available on Amazon, but you guys also have the option for, for bulk orders if you wanted to get a whole bunch for your library or classroom or things like that, right, Sarah? That's correct. So so I've done some work with different school districts and also with research conferences okay. who want to buy, you know, 50 copies, 100 copies of the book. So if people can contact me directly through the website, uh, if they're interested in something like that, then I can sort of work out special pricing depending on the size of the order and where yeah. people are located, which has been good. One of my favorite things that came out of that was actually the school district that I grew up in now had a STEAM with so arts and science after school yep. program in yep. the district that didn't exist when I was a kid. So my first bulk order and speaking engagement was actually with that group, which was pretty right. cool. So I got to come speak to a room full of 100 fourth graders uh, in the town I grew up in, uh, which was a whole lot of fun. That's very cool. And and again, um, even just the the thrill for a kid to to hear an author, or let alone an author from their own town. Uh, right. Again, also, when we when we break those 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 thoughts for a kid that yeah, I could be something amazing like an author. And yeah, and I had never written a book before. I had never done a crowdfunding campaign before. Like all of this was kind of deciding to jump in because it was a good idea and a needed idea yep. uh, and just deciding to I'm going to figure it out as I go and that's still true uh, it's still even though it's a two-year-old project at this point with two books it's still a learning process for me every day and and you know what that sounds a lot like a lot of science too is figure it out as you go sometimes so um, kids kids definitely love uh, the whole science technology engineering and math stuff I mean what what draws kids to that so much and, and I guess to your books as well right yeah, so I think back to just my own childhood and yep. growing up where I did in Maryland, we spent a lot of time outside. Um, yep. You know, that, that there are some common themes that have come from the interviews with the scientists in the book. A lot of them also like spending a lot of time outside. Um, there are other things too, but that's just kind of the one for me that resonates. Like yeah. we were always in the river trying to catch things or just sort of out in the woods or just... Um, just really, I feel like kids are naturally curious about what's around them. They are, and, yeah. And that's the core of what scientific discovery is, right? You're curious about something and you want to figure out how it works or why it works the way that it does. Yeah. And plus, a lot of science is a lot of fun. Like, it's it's messy. Uh, you know, <laughs> you get you get to use your hands and like it's hands-on, it's interactive. Yeah. Um, you know, and it really kind of helps you kind of develop a better understanding of the world. And I think that was always really interesting to me as a kid. Yeah. So, so teachers, if, if, if you're not doing enough messy stuff, enough exploring stuff, um, if you're doing too many of the worksheet stuff and the book stuff, you know, set that stuff, you know, aside and get those kids to go outside and explore or the playground even, or, or a nearby forest or park or wherever, get them outside. Cause that's a great, 
uh, entry point for kids and getting them more excited about STEM. And, and I'm guessing, Sarah, probably some of that uh, playing in the river and catching stuff kind of contributed to your marine biology, right? It did. Uh, so yeah, doing different, um, you know, activities with different groups around where I grew up, um, you know, Girl Scouts and things like that. Like I remember sanding in the river and trying to catch all the little fish and yeah. going to the beach and digging for the different sand crabs and things like that. That's and awesome. then also like informal education too. So I remember my first like field trip to an aquarium. Um, mm -hmm. and that was kind of when I realized you could do that kind of work for a job, <laughs> not just like, <laughs> Um, where, you know, people could actually pay you to do that kind of work. So, so that was kind of the first time that that opened up my eyes to, oh, like this, this is actually a career option. Yeah. So, so again, um, definitely uh, check out, check out the books, uh, super cool scientists. Again, they're available on Amazon. You even have tote bags and shirts if on, on your website as well that people can, can get. I would, I would think they'd be great uh, giveaways at a, at a conference, they'd be great for if even even if your school maybe can't uh, afford a bunch of books like that to get a, a local business to get a local science place, you know, an engineering place to, to donate that money and donate those books to your school. Um, just connect with those places. It never hurts to ask in things like that and to get more kids excited. Uh, what what company isn't going to say, oh, yeah, we, we want to get more kids, you know, excited about science. Sarah, what, what would be your ideal goal for what STEM education can look like in the future? So I think sort of thinking about STEM education in general, um, you know, like it's really sort of making sure kids know how to think scientifically, right? Like yeah. science isn't just a job. It's kind of a way you approach the world, um, which I think can be really valuable, especially when you're talking about sort of problem solving and the ways we need to think creatively to solve some of our world's big challenges. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, it goes way beyond K-12 as well. So really sort of your, you know, you want to make sure kids have the foundation that they need. Mm -hmm. And part of that's getting them interested in the first place. Yep. Um, way back in those, those early years, like with a coloring like book. With a coloring book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or, or with, you know, their programs in school or after school programs, all those things are really critical too. And then sort yep. of also thinking through to remember that the retention is also important. So um, and that's the part that goes beyond K-12 where, you know, we want to also be sort of working with the, these STEM companies and just the STEM arena in general to make sure that we're sort of working on environments that are more inclusive where everyone does feel welcome. So even yeah. if we're training and getting interested, all these young people, um, you know, ideally I'd like all of it to be more inclusive, but I don't think you can just have STEM education be more inclusive and then send everybody off to companies that aren't. So yeah. I think sort of you have to kind of be focusing on the whole, the whole spectrum there. Yeah. But, but, you know, again, a lot of things like, you know, swallowing the elephant one bite at a time, you know, and so, so having a, yeah. having, a, having a book with, with examples that help break down that, that stupid image that we all have, that the only scientist is the one with the big white hair, that's a, that's a great thing to be able to do. So, so again, thank you, Sarah, for, for writing these books. It's a great, a great help to a lot of us as educators as well. So one more question for you. I, I love to ask everybody. And then if there, you got any other thoughts, Sarah, you want to share with, with all the teachers listening here to the STEM Everyday Podcast today. But if you could, if you could have dinner with somebody from STEM, anybody past or present, uh, who would it be? Who would you love to sit down with and just chat about science with? Sure. So, you know, one of my personal goals is to actually meet all the women who are in these books. So oh. like I've, I've talked to all of them. I've interviewed them in order to write the biographies, but I haven't actually met 
that many of them in person. Yeah. So I think, uh, and Dr. Sylvia Earle, who was in the first book, uh-huh. is somebody who was the first person I knew I wanted to include in the book. Like, and I've yeah. seen her speak at big conferences before, but being able to sit down with her one-on-one to talk a little bit more about her experience. Uh, she was sort of one of the early pioneers in marine science, especially for being a woman. Yeah. Uh, I think we would have a really interesting conversation. Yeah, that's cool because we've actually had a, a previous guest say they would love to uh, to meet Sylvia Earle. So that's that's awesome. So for anybody that wants to, go back to listen to episode 100 because uh, Catherine Granton, who does marine um, tours and stuff with kids in education, uh, she also also mentioned Sylvia. So yeah, it, it's cool how even even us as kids, um, we have we have these people that we look up to and 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 see them as examples. And and so again, connecting right to the book that you've written, Sarah, uh, those the two books, super cool scientists, and um, what a what a great idea. Thank you for for again for doing that, Sarah. Thank you. And, and any, other, any other last thoughts, any other things you'd love to just share with the educators out there? Uh, so I just think, uh, you know, before we finish up, just to kind of mention again that, you know, the book is great for, for kids, but it's also such a great tool to use in the classroom um, in a lot of different ways. So whether it's sort of an entry point to talking about a certain STEM concept or field or really yeah. just exposing kids to what different science careers can actually look like if you're trying mm-hmm. to broaden that image of you know beyond the lab coat and the microscope idea right um, and then it can also just really kind of be a good prompt for some of those discussions about what does a scientist look like or right. what are your you know different options for for a stem career yeah. and just you know sort of thinking of it from a storytelling perspective and a research perspective too i mean it's a good sample but then kids students can use it to sort of research other scientists they might be interested in and sort of find other ways to tell their stories and kind of see what the students come up with too. Yeah, I could imagine almost a classroom after going through your book, reading your book, uh, having each kid say, okay, now you have to research somebody and you draw a picture that's a coloring page and then let's put them together into our own book. I mean, how cool would that be to have the kids be able to do something like that as well? Yeah, it's such a great supplement for all different types of lessons. So definitely um, check out the book, supercoolscientist.com. Again, Sarah McSorley, great chatting with you today and, and all the best as, as you keep uh, writing these books. And, and I bet there's plenty more people, awesome, cool scientists out there doing stuff for a whole, whole bunch of books, right? This is definitely true. <laughs> it's probably hard to limit it and narrow it down to, to just a few. So. Yeah, because I mean, you, between the two books, there's 44 people. But at the same time, I wanted this diversity of types of work and then diversity of people as well. So like that was all stuff I had to keep in check. And I noticed actually with the first one, when I was coming up with who I wanted and doing the research for that, I had like a whole handful of marine scientists. And I was like, wait a minute, like this isn't a marine biology book, like this is a STEM book. So I kind of had to cut back on some of those and bring in some other different fields. But um Maybe, maybe your, maybe your next book could be, you know, for sale at, uh, at aquariums and marinas all across the world. And you could just focus on those. Maybe, maybe that's true. <laughs> well, thanks again for joining us today, Sarah McSorley. It's been, been great chatting with you again. Um, check out those books. They're awesome resource for your classroom or for a kid in your life. Uh, if it's a holiday time, uh, it's a great gift as well. 
And thanks again for listening to this episode of STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, you can find it on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can find me on Twitter at Daily STEM. And I love chatting about STEM with you. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.